0: Hi there, everyone. It's Laura. This week, we're doing something a little bit different. I have a wonderful colleague who requested, just given everything going on in the world, to have a very short and concise Q&A that she could share with others who may be struggling. This is our attempt at that. A video portion will be on our site, but we thought we'd have the audio here in our podcast feed for you. Thanks so much. And remember to reach out to us at traumastewardship.com or through Instagram at future tripping with Laura if we can be of any help or support.
1: So Laura, we are hearing more and more about trauma, and then there's general overwhelm. Break it down for us.
0: Right, so with trauma, one of the things that we think about is it's something that fundamentally shifts your world view. With overwhelm, we're pitching a wider tent, and that can apply to anything that has you feeling, wow, like life is a lot. Something that I think is really important for us to remember are these things are personal and they're subjective. So what might feel completely overwhelming to me, you could be relaxed and chilling and vice versa. I think that has a lot to do with present day. I think it has a lot to do with how we were raised and what we've been through in our life. I think it has a lot to do with intergenerational transmission of trauma, intergenerational transmission of oppression, and of course the evolving science of epigenetics. So all of that combines together to determine whether or not it meets a threshold of just being a lot or actually being overwhelming or being traumatic.
1: Great. I know when you talk about trauma and overwhelm, it's always in the larger context of awareness around systematic oppression and structural supremacy. Can you say more about that?
0: Yeah, so one of the things that we know is that so much of what is unfolding that is resulting in overwhelm and actual trauma is a direct legacy of structural supremacy and systematic oppression. And that can be everything related to what's unfolding with climate crises, to what's happening with the very focused oppression and supremacy we're seeing rise, to what's happening with democracies dissolving. And for me, just when I do this work and talk about it, it has to be held in a larger awareness and understanding of that.
1: And connected to that is intergenerational transmission of trauma and oppression. How does that impact things?
0: Right. So one of the things that's really important for us to understand is it's not solely us present day navigating what we're navigating, but that we know that things do get passed down intergenerationally. And it's not just the passing down, it's not just that intergenerational piece, but what we also know is there's an internalizing of that oppression, internalizing of whatever oppression we might be navigating, and that internalized oppression can really impact us individually, but also Collectively, and the repercussions that has in communities.
1: You frequently talk with folks about not minimizing. What is so damaging about minimizing?
0: right? So with minimizing, one of the things that we see happen, and we see it with individuals, we see it with communities, we see it in larger collective bodies, is a very natural response after something horrendous, horrific, catastrophic has happened, is to start minimizing. It's not context, it's not perspective, it's not gratitude, it's where we start putting pain on a hierarchy, we start having suffering become a competition, and even if we're not that you know, direct about it in terms of that nature of it. We find that it is very, very damaging when folks start doing the thing which I have seen in every single community. So it's very, very common after something horrible happens, but where we start doing this thing of, well, I didn't lose everything. So who am I to complain or I'm still alive. And so I shouldn't say anything about anything, or I didn't see as much as that other person or I didn't experience as much as my neighbor. And then we do this minimizing, which just can be really, really harmful. We want context. We want perspective, we want gratitude, but we don't want to get into that minimizing.
1: Absolutely. And survivor guilt is connected to that, yes?
0: Yeah, survivor guilt is something we see again. It's ubiquitous when really, really, really hard and sad things happen. And this is again, it's not just that you're alive, it's that. Perhaps you didn't bear witness as much as somebody else did. Perhaps you did not, in your calculation, lose as much as somebody else did. Perhaps you were a little bit less scared than somebody else. And then we're not kind with ourselves. We're not compassionate with ourselves. We're not empathetic with ourselves. We turn it into this whole whole cycle of guilt and shame and we can do that with ourselves and we can also unfortunately put that on others sometimes again none of this is intentional but these are the very natural things that end up happening which then take the original harm that happened and turn it into much longer term suffering
1: and do you have any advice for someone who might be suffering from survivor's guilt
0: I think whether we're suffering from survivor's guilt, whether we're suffering from the minimizing, whether we're suffering from any of the repercussions of having gone through something. Again, it can be acute, like something caused by the climate disaster or a mass shooting or any number of other horrific things. And it can also simply be about just moving through life and everything that life is presenting, whether you're caring for a relative long-term who's ill, you're raising kids and that's really hard. You're just at a job that is brutal. Whatever it might be, some of the things that we know to be really important are tending to your nervous system and having a very acute sense for yourself of how your nervous system is impacted. And it's not just our individual nervous system, but the nervous system for yourself, the nervous system of your family, the nervous system of your community, the nervous system of your workplace, the nervous system of your region, and understand that if we have to tend to our nervous system and what arises in our nervous system during these times of extreme distress, even if they're acute or cumulative over time, and if we don't, then we know that that accumulates and accumulates and accumulates and we could become more and more and more saturated and at some point we'll rupture so sometimes that's individually we're rupturing internally or externally and sometimes it's our communities rupturing
1: and in addition to the repercussions what would you say are some of the things that are most helpful and some of the things that are the most harmful in the aftermath
0: Yeah, it's a really important question. One of the things that we know to be very, very helpful again is we want to have conditions in place that help us metabolize everything that's arising. It can't just be a head cognitive process. I really think it's very, very important to do something where we're moving it actively through our nervous system. Another thing that I think is really important that we know to be true is isolation is one of the most damaging forces. So we really want to make sure we're not isolated. I think the other piece that we know to be really important is it is very hard to feel at the same time that we're doing. So sometimes, if it's a relative who has died, sometimes if it's something really awful that's happened in our community, sometimes if it's something unfolding at a school or a workplace, we can get so caught up in the doing. And certainly there are things that might need to be done, but that we don't allow time for that really deep and profound feeling that also needs to happen. And if we don't do it now, we're going to do it later. And the later it happens, generally the harder it is. So those are some of the things we know to be helpful, some of the things we know to be very very harmful. Comparing yourself to others and comparing your situation to others is really really harmful for folks. So that's something you want to try to stay away from either it's they seem to be doing so much better than I am or I didn't lose as much like we talked about. So trying not to get into that comparison. I think the other thing that's really important is that you don't go into a hyper productive mode. Again, If it's a crisis, then you're gonna need to tend to what you're gonna tend to, but you don't wanna get hyper productive in terms of I need to start a foundation after this. I need to start a 10K run after this. I need to start a whole initiative after this. Cause again, then it can be very hard to metabolize at the same time that you're doing those things. And the other piece that can be very, very hard is that you want to try to not do any additional harm. So sometimes it's so hard to just let our heart break and our mind be blown by something. And sometimes as humans, we will do this thing that all of us have probably done at one point or another is we will then scapegoat, we will turn our rage, turn our grief against somebody else. So then it's not just the sad, tragic thing that's happened, but now we've created a mess in that way. The last thing I would say is it's very easy to get isolated. I know we talked about that earlier, but sometimes the only thing you want to do is stay in bed. Or sometimes the only thing you want to do is pull back. Sometimes the only thing you want to do is just be by yourself. Sometimes the only thing you want to do is lose yourself, whether it's in television or video games or anything else. And anything you can do to try to continue to reach and stay connected to a human, if possible, to another living being, to pets, to animals, to outside nature, if possible, but to not allow yourself to go further and further and further into isolation. Our podcast, Future Tripping, is a Trauma Stewardship Institute production. I, Laura, am your host and producer. Our incredible executive producer and sound engineer is Olivia P. Sunier, without whom this podcast would not be possible. It's edited and mixed by Tom Stiles with original music by Cameron DeVore. Our graphic designer is Evie Burroughs White. Thank you for downloading and subscribing. And as always, please give us a holler with any questions or suggestions. We can be found at traumastewardship.com and on Instagram at Future Tripping with Laura. There you can find both an email and phone number where you can ask your questions of our upcoming guests. I am grateful you joined us. Please remember, however your overwhelm is feeling today, you're not alone. You're in good company, and I look forward to being with you here on Future Tripping again next week.